Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Snacking with the Saints. This one, I don't know how to explain it. You, because it was your concept, so you, go ahead. Yes. I would say this is like undervalued saints. Okay, I like that. Okay, we, we you came up with tip of the iceberg, which yeah. I thought was brilliant because it's like we see these saints and like ask for their intercession for maybe like a particular thing, but like there's so much more than yes. just that particular patronage. Right. And so I wanted to do like a little bit more of a deep dive into those saints, like look into the lives of these saints so that we can mine like the richness of their lives and what they're capable of in their intercession um, so that we can like be fully like using their powers. Yes. <laughs> For lack of a better word. I like underappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Under- I like that. Yeah. So saints that you've probably heard of, mm-hmm. like maybe that like you've heard of them, but you're not even like fully an acquaintance yet or yeah. a friend. So you just yeah. like know of them. Or you like ask for their help in this one really niche way. And it's like, there's so much more you could do there. Right. Okay. I think you should go first because yours, I guessed yours. <laughs> yes. So I think yours will. I think so it, too. But should we? Yeah, go? let's do our snacks. Let's do snacks. Okay. Okay. So it's fall. Uh-huh. And I came out with like the fall, classic fall dessert of apple pie. Uh, my favorite apple pie is actually a Dutch apple pie that has crumb on top. Oh, the crumb. Okay, I've seen you know those. What I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, but I got you a grocery, like bakery mm-hmm. one from a higher end bakery. I mean, yeah. I, like if, of all the grocery stores, I felt like it was. No, it was good. And I got you ice cream. I got you bluebell. Mm, my fave. Or a la mode. And yes. so some people are pro put ice cream on top of a warm apple pie. Some people are like, leave it off. Ice cream on any warm dessert is my favorite. Brownies. Brownies. Yes, my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that, that there was a strong opinion. I thought everyone liked that. Yeah, Royce is like that. He does not want ice cream on top of a brownie. That's it's weird. Like, it's too much sweet. <laughs> that is weird. Sorry, Royce. <laughs> um, it's just like too much sweetness. Oh, too much sweetness. T- too much sweetness. I'm more of a texture person, so I like the texture of like creamy ice cream, yeah. like silky, like on a crumbly, crunchy yeah. So pie. good. So good, right? And the yeah. hot and the cold together, like mm-hmm. just explosion of textures and um so yeah so I thought that was just like a seasonally appropriate yeah treat. so when I I loved it and as I told you mm-hmm. like the bar for me for apple pie is really low just because like my main exposure to is like a McDonald's hand pie so I feel like any I'm, I'm not gonna hate on McDonald's hand pie. yeah but I you know what I mean like I'm not like like to me that's a fine pie so I'm yeah. not like really like this is what it has to be like because connoisseur of apple pie yeah I'm not because to me I'll just take anything I apple pie I will tell you apple pie is one of my favorite desserts and so I really look at like how buttery is the crust mm, okay how stacked are these apples in there like is there enough apple to filling ratio mm, mm-hmm. um and just just how tart it is. I just, there's just a whole blend of things that go See, on. In I'm not pie. that way. It's like, I'll just, <laughs> it tastes like apples. There's ice cream. There's some crust. Yeah. yeah. But for me, my quintessential fall dessert is not apple pie. It's um, pumpkin bread. Ooh, pumpkin bread. That's when I think of fall. It's making pumpkin banana bread. Cause you know, Ooh, I love yeah. banana bread, but you just yes. add like pumpkin puree. Yeah. That's my fall dessert. What is your take on pumpkin pie? You know what? 
I'm not a huge pumpkin pie fan. And I'm not a pumpkin spiced girl either. Like for latte. Yeah, I'm not. I think my grandma used to make empanadas and she would only use pumpkin pie filling. Oh, interesting. Um, and you can put anything in them, but yeah. she, w- I think it was just like, like what she had yeah. Yeah, on hand that was canned. Yeah. And I don't, I just remember like, even that's kind of little, pumpkin pie-ish. Yeah. I remember yeah. even being little eating it and being like, this is too much pumpkin. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I so mean, I've never been a big fan. Although Costco's is really good. Is it? Mostly. It's like so sweet though. Yeah. It's I just, very sweet. It's, I don't know. I just I'm it's, not a big fan, but I love a pumpkin loaf. The one at Starbucks is actually very good. I know how you feel about Starbucks, but they good, but that <laughs> no, one's but really good. No, but their breads are are better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would just pumpkin by itself as a filling is just way too I much. Yeah. I mean, if you can cover it with flour and lots of spices and lots of sugar, then then yeah. It, basically you're covering up the pumpkin taste. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not a big yeah, pumpkin person. Pumpkin pie. I try yeah. to make myself like it. At Thanksgiving, and I just I never no, can. I don't. Like, I'll literally get like a piece that's like the size of my finger, <laughs> a sliver, a sliver, and then like cover it in just, whipped cream. Yes. That's what I just do. to say you've had pumpkin yeah, pie, but I don't look forward to a pumpkin pie. Yeah. But only like a pumpkin loaf or pumpkin banana bread. I love that. Okay, yeah, I could be down with that. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I thought I think of apple pie as more like a summer thing, but am I thinking of really? like cobblers? I mean, Are apple pie is more year summer? round because it's like the all American dessert. When but I think of it, I think of like a barbecue. Fourth of July. Yeah, Fourth of July. Yeah. It's just because people you say. You can eat it any time of year. Right? But just in general, apples are in season. Yeah, in they the are fall. in season. So that's why I'm Yeah. Like Did I tell you I had pears that were going bad? And so um, I cut them up real fine, like diced them. And mm-hmm. then I just made like a quick crumble top. Ooh. And I made like a ap- uh, pear crumble. Ooh, the fancy. Other day. Yeah. I felt so proud of myself. Yeah. Because I just knew we couldn't eat that many pears. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I was like. I just thought of something we could do and keep on hand. So I felt pretty fancy. Pears are also fall. Yeah, but I was going to say, I want to try it with apple now. Yeah. And see what you think. Yeah. And also, we could get into a whole topic about the different kinds of apples and baking apples. I need that topic because I'm not super knowledgeable of apples. Yeah. If you want to bake with apples, Braeburn um, is a good one. The ones that are traditionally in apple pie are Granny Smith because they're really sour, that tart. So when you mix it with the sugar and all of that. Um, but you don't want to use like a red delicious because it gets mm, like okay. the texture of it just kind of crumbles. Those are like, more like grainy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to look for certain texture type apples that will kind of stay firm and crisp mm-hmm. when they're baked. Okay. That's good to know because yeah. my uh, pear puree, like not, pu- but it turned into a puree. Okay. Because they yeah, were yeah. kind of going bad. Yeah. And they, they were soft. really soft. Yeah. So there were areas where it was more just like a puree like yeah. consistency than like right. actual yeah. pears. I mean, it was still fine. It was yeah. good. There was a lot of sugar in it. So <laughs> it made up for it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of things that didn't turn out, my, <laughs> I bought molds to make um, cocoa bombs. So yes. Had you seen those before? I've never seen cocoa bomb molds, like the silicone, they silicone were, molds. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're really big on, I think they went viral just on the internet, but you know, like, have, yeah. okay, there's so many people who like make them like art. Really? Yes. Like people get crazy okay, with the cocoa this. bombs, like all kinds of different shapes. And like, Aww. there's a girl online who makes like little cups. So like, and then she puts like the cup on a spoon. So then you like dip it. It's just Stop. a whole thing. That's so cool. There's one guy who makes them look like Christmas ornaments. Like oh. you wouldn't be able to tell. Like It's so hard because as soon as you get it, then you just destroy it. I mean, right? I know it's like same like with cakes. Yeah. But. So mine were like sugar skulls. They were really cute, too. They're very cute. And I've had made them before just for Luis and I. Yeah. 
and they turned out better. But this time I overchilled them, and so they cracked coming out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the molds. And mm-hmm. then I tried to paste them back together with more chocolate, but then that was too hot. Yeah. So working with chocolate is a very delicate, yeah, art form. I feel like like it can yeah. be very finicky. Chocolate can. Yeah, because and I was surprised the first time went so well because I was expecting, but I did it in like. 15 minutes I just whipped them out and this time I actually really tried and but we did there was one that we were able to like scoop in that wasn't super falling apart so you did have your hot yeah I had my hot cocoa and it was delicious and it looked cute too and I have to say the hot cocoa bomb was a surprise because it had marshmallows inside of it too I thought that was yeah yeah so there's two that we I salvaged they look terrible but they'll have the (laughs) I mean they'll make it tasted great right like but it will make cocoa. It'll it taste like cocoa. It just yeah. didn't didn't look great. So <laughs> I was so excited too to show you. Aww, but I'm you sorry. still had it. I did. I love it. I'm drinking it right now. Yeah, it was a white chocolate with just like plain baking chocolate, and I feel like the white chocolate sweetens it enough yeah. that you don't need any, really anything else. So that was awesome. I, I'm sorry. They look pretty bad. <laughs> you know it because it was melted into my cup. I feel like it you're was right because okay. it's just gonna melt anyway. Yeah. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you. I'm excited to have more later. We'll have more. <laughs> yeah. Do you well, want to go ahead and jump should in? Should we jump in? Let's yeah. do it. Okay. Jump in. I'm excited. Okay. You know mine because I kind of want to diatribe about like why certain saints are yes. only known for this. So my saint is Saint Anthony of Padua. The best. I mean, the best. Okay. Yeah. I feel like most Catholics know St. Anthony. If they're going to know certain saints, they know St. Anthony is the saint who's going to like help you find your lost keys or just like something that's lost there. He's the saint to go to for right. intercession. Right. And I find that um, he's a saint that brings a lot of joy. Yes. Right. Because yeah. like you'll, you'll lose something and you're like fervently trying to find it and then you're like St. Anthony please pray for me please help me find this thing I've lost and then there's like a certain amount of faith that you're gonna find it because you've asked him oh for sure right and you're like okay he's in my corner like I'm gonna find it one way or the other whereas without that intercession sometimes it kind of feels like you fall into desperation a little bit but when it happens it's like a spark of joy like when mm-hmm. you find it and you're like oh St. Anthony you were like so awesome thank you yes um and so I find that he is a wonderful saint for um, lost items mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like we do not use his intercession of and we do not understand enough about who he is and we just use him as the go-to guy for when we lose stuff yeah so I'm here to kind of like make a case for please I feel awesome. like I'm in that camp like I know some of his Life, but I don't know his whole story, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so can I just start with how I came to, like, learn about Yes, please. St. Anthony. Okay, like, when when I was doing my deeper dive. So I tend to procrastinate, so, of course, I was, like, searching today about, okay, Mm -hmm. like, let me find St. Anthony's information. And we were at Mass, and after Mass, Evan was like, can, my son Evan was like, can we go to the Catholic store? Oh, I love him. And he's like, so sweet. I know. He's such a sweetheart. And so he actually invited one of our friends um, to come along with us. Oh, and he, and um, um, he helps like work with us in a high school ministry too. So I was like, JP, do you want to come with us to the Catholic store? Thinking he would be just like politely declining because mm-hmm. um, he had to like go do something else. And he was like, sure. He was like totally open to the spirit. And he just came along with us. And 
we went to the Catholic store and I'm looking around for things about St. Anthony and ironically like I can't find anything on St. Anthony like I can't find like I'm like surely there's like a book about him or something and so I'm looking around and then I hear like on the other side of the store JP talking to Evan and saying oh yeah St. Anthony is my confirmation saint (laughs) it's like my ears perked up and I'm like JP Tell me what you know about St. Anthony, because that's exactly why I'm here. And I felt like it was just so divinely, like, mm-hmm. orchestrated that he was there with us in the store when I was, like, looking for St. Anthony, and that ended up being his patron saint. And so it was not even the Catholic store. It was just, like, meeting him there to, like, for him to tell me yeah. about him. And he gave me such a personal account that, you know, was just so heartfelt that is not even like it just doesn't compare to like when you just read something off the internet um Mm -hmm. and so I felt like I got like a real feel and essence for who St. Anthony was but um so some of his stories will come in through when we talk about yeah love that okay so St. Anthony's feast day is June 13th he is the patron of lost things and we'll talk about why um, from some of his miracles he was born in 1195 and he was born into kind of like a noble family okay um, and he Studied under, like, kind of like, um, he was like an Augustinian, like mm-hmm. under the, like, studies of St. Augustine. Yeah. And so he was an ordained, he was ordained a priest, and when he was stationed at a particular town, there were these Franciscan friars that were coming through, mm-hmm. and they were, um, they were dedicated to St. Anthony of Egypt, and when he saw... Yeah. When he saw those Franciscan friars, even though he was an Augustinian, he, like, just felt this longing to join them. Um, And so they had settled, and they were coming through the town. um, And then when, I guess they were traveling to a particular location to kind of spread the Mm -hmm. word of God. But when they were bringing them back, they were bringing back the corpses of the Franciscan friars because they had been martyred. Oh, wow. And so when he saw them again, it was um, in martyrdom. Wow. And he felt such a pull, and he's just felt so, like, um, pulled by their cause and their poverty, like, oh called gosh. to poverty, mm-hmm. that he was like, I want to become a Franciscan. Yeah. So he kind of, like, left his order and um, joined the Franciscan order and changed his name to Anthony at that point. So he was born Fernando Mar- Martins in in Portugal. I don't know any of this. Yes. So far. <laughs> okay, so at that point, he travels to Morocco um, to spread God's truth and um, became really sick. And he kind of dealt with sickness throughout his life, but he became really sick and returned to Portugal to recover. Um, the return voyage was blown off course, and the um, like their boat arrived in Sicily, um, and where they eventually traveled to Tuscany, and then he was assigned to the... Um, basically the friary there at San Paolo um, after the local friars helped him like recover from his sickness. And so as he's recovering, he spends his time praying and studying. Mm -hmm. And one of the kind of um, charisms of being like um, an Augustinian type priest is that they're like really good preachers, right? Because we're talking about St. Augustine. They're like very well read, very eloquent. Mm -hmm. They've had these like higher level studies in Mm -hmm. theology and Latin and you know, when you contrast that to the Franciscan mm. way of spirituality, it's very, like, um, stripped of all riches. You mm-hmm. know, you're living, um, serving the poor. It's not, it's not super, um, like, high on all of the intellect mm-hmm. type stuff that, like, St. Augustine was. Like, it's more about charity and just, and service. And so, the beautiful thing about St. Anthony is that he kind of had the best of both in his spirituality. 
So he had the intellect. He had the ability to be this amazing preacher and to bring people to Christ through um, his understanding of the scripture and the way that he would relate that to them. But he also had this like deep compassion um, for God's creation Mm -hmm. and for the poor and to live in that spirit of poverty. And so he just encompassed like the best of both of those schools of spirituality, which Mm -hmm. I think is just a really neat blend um, that's specific to him. Um, And there's a story at like at one point where he was stationed, there were Dominican friars that came to visit the Franciscans. And Dominicans are also known for their preaching. Yeah. And so the Franciscans assumed that the Dominic, one of the Dominicans would preach the homily for that mm-hmm. day. And the Dominicans assumed the Franciscans were going to preach the homily. And so nobody knew what to do. And so um, I think the, like the head of the Franciscans asked St. Anthony to speak. And St. Anthony was like, no, I don't want to do it. And he, oh, was, yeah. he was like still like pushed him to do it. And he ended up giving like this brilliant I was going to uh, say it's homily. He was a beautiful homilist, yeah, right? Yeah, he was. So this is how we started. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Like he didn't even know like that was like his gift yeah. fully until. And I think part of that is, is because he was so submissive to like the will of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so he was so open to that, that it just allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and speak so clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his homilies are known to be very like clear and to the point and making scripture mm-hmm. very relatable mm-hmm. to the masses. And so he ended up becoming a doctor of the church. And that, that was why it was because yeah. he had such an understanding of scripture one, but also that he was able to relate it in such an accessible way to people. Mm-hmm. And so it said, like one of the, I feel like one of the popes had said, like, it's just like the word of God was just like so a part of him, like just so mm-hmm. ingrained that he, he was part word of God. And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, so that's how he kind of got his rep- reputation as um, a great preacher. And so that got the attention of like the Franciscans. And so he was eventually able to meet St. Francis. Oh. Yeah. Cause they were kind of contemporaries at the time. And St. Francis was kind of, like, not super trusting of all the, like, elite, like, um, Mm. you know, like, elitist theologians and, Mm -hmm. you know, that were, like, super high on, like, the academics and Mm -hmm. and that piece of it. Um, But he met St. Anthony and was, like, immediately, like, drawn to him. And he knew that that was, like, his brother. And so he entrusted anyone of the Franciscan friars that wanted to be ordained. He, like, entrusted them to St. Anthony Mm. to, like, for their studies. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, and it's cool because, like, um, there's a story, and this is kind of where the lost items part is uh, comes into play, is that he, St. Anthony, had a book of psalms that he used in order to, like, help teach the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had all his notes in there, and it was just a very valuable book for him. And at the time, mm-hmm. the printing press hadn't started. So yeah. for, for him, like, that was just very invaluable. Well, there was a um, friar that ended up, stealing his book mm-hmm. and leaving the order. And so because Franciscans take a vow of poverty, it would have been very hard for him to like get a new book. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been very expensive. And so he just like prayed like really hard for like the Lord to bring that book back to him. Mm-hmm. And the person who stole it, he had a change of heart after the, that prayer and came back, returned the book and rejoined the order. Wow. And so it was just um, kind of a testament to St. Anthony's faith and mm-hmm. like fervor for God and fervor for prayer. And so that's one of the reasons that we go to him for our lost items as well, so that he'll pray for our missing things. Um, it says, so simple and resounding was his teaching of the Catholic faith 
that most unlettered and innocent could understand his messages. Oh, and, I love that. Yeah, and say so it's like it's for that reason he was declared a doctor of the church by Pope Pius the twelfth in nineteen forty six. Um, there's also like legend has it that yeah. um, he attempted to preach the gospel to the Catholic Church uh, of the Catholic Church to heretics. There was a lot of heresy going on at yeah. that time that he was there, and the city, like when he would come into a place, the city would like shut him down and tell like the residents like not to like go to him. Oh, and okay. so he would be like he would just go out and he, there's this one story where he went into a town. And nobody would, like, listen to him. Mm-hmm. Like, they were ordered to just, like, stay away. And so he's like, well, I'm just going to preach the fish, you Aww. know. And so he goes and, like, preaches to the fish. And then, like, literally, like, all these fish begin to gather. And, like, it caught the attention of the townspeople mm-hmm. so that they started listening to it, too. And so he says, like, it wasn't um, really for the instruction of the fish, but rather for the glory of God. God and the delight of the angels and easing his own heart that he just started to proclaim the gospel, even mm-hmm. though no one was listening. Mm. Um, that, And I just thought that was so powerful because, you know, sometimes we need this affirmation from the world that what we put mm. out there is like important and valid and we mm-hmm. need their like affirmation of that. Um, but what St. Anthony did is like, okay, if I, if the world won't give me that, I'm just going to do it for the delight of the angels and to hear the mm. gospel proclaimed and for the glory of God and just for my own heart. And when you come from that intention, like that light draws so many people to you. And so that's exactly what happened for him. And so I, I just thought that was a powerful inspiration for, for us when we feel like, um, how can we evangelize mm-hmm. in the ways that we're called to do? And so he was 35 years old when he died and was canonized less than one year after his death. So he's one of the, Whoa. yeah, he was like one of the fastest to get canonized um, by Pope Gregory the Ninth. And it says, like, upon exhuming his body 336 years after his death, his body was found to be corrupted, yet his tongue was totally incorrupt. Weird. And they said it was because so perfect were the teachings that had been formed upon it. <laughs> like, that, isn't that crazy? Like, That's crazy. Because he was, like, such a great homilist and he proclaimed the gospel that only his tongue was, like, um, incorruptible. I just thought, I was like, God, you're just, like, so creative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so this is why I think we should also be going to St. Anthony when we need divine inspiration for, mm. like, um, when we need to speak to somebody, when we need to proclaim mm. the gospel to mm-hmm. somebody, not necessarily even like preaching at someone or, yeah. but when we want to share the love of God with another person, mm-hmm. which is like our day daily call. Yeah. Um, but to give us the eloquence of that and to give us that desire on our heart, um, and, and the words to speak to those people because mm-hmm. he was so eloquent. And I think that he very much attributed that to the Holy spirit and his openness to it. So if we just feel closed off from the Holy Spirit to just ask St. Anthony to allow that grace of being open to the Holy Spirit's will. Um, So yes, he can help you find lost things, but um, he can also help you Mm -hmm. with eloquence. I think there's another, like I talk about St. Anthony, like if this is especially like with being a parent, Mm -hmm. I (laughs) use, 
ask St. Anthony for help when I lose my patience. Mm. And I'm like, St. Anthony, please help me find my patience because I've lost it. Um, And so maybe just stretching the imagination of the things that we lose Mm -hmm. and that he could help regain for us. Yeah. And specifically looking at it from the light of virtue Mm -hmm. of like, okay, maybe I'm losing my like grace of temperance Mm -hmm. or I'm losing my patience or Mm -hmm. gentleness. um, And... St. Anthony, could you help me recover that? I feel like he would be just so such a great powerhouse yeah. for that. Yeah. And so stretching that idea of lost items, because mm-hmm. we typically attribute the lost items to physical material goods. Yeah, like your keys or mm-hmm. something like that. Which is great. Well, let's yeah. keep doing that. But also, can we like, I mean, he's up in heaven. So like, yeah. we don't have to be limited to the physical world. And mm-hmm. like, can it be like certain so- emotional states? And like, sure. can you help me recover my peace? I've mm. lost my peace. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I feel like we can go to him for that. And then also, I wanted to throw out there this idea of going to him about loss in general. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. like, there's so many things that we grieve because of loss and whether it's the loss of a dream or the loss of a person mm-hmm. or the loss of a pet or um, just all the things that we have to grieve in life. It's mm-hmm. like a continuous series of like mini griefs over time yeah. um, that we could go to him because he's such a compassionate soul and not to regain what we've lost in that mm-hmm. sense, but to maybe um, gain something that we didn't have before that could come out, come from the loss whether that's a deeper compassion um, for others or a depth of understanding. Mm -hmm. But because he understands lost and lost items Mm -hmm. or lost things, um, could we go to him for, I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not saying that that's like, you know, what his, you know, thing is, but I don't know. I just find like, I love that he might, we might be able to tap into him. Yeah. Which like side note, there is a patron saint of grief and it's St. Elizabeth Ann Seton because she did, did not know that. Yeah. And she did because she had so much loss in her life mm-hmm. with her husband and kids. Um, but just another saint to put in the grief toolbox to, yeah. like, you know, help me to re- maybe recover what I've lost in terms of certain parts of your life that like you feel like you've lost because mm-hmm. you lost someone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like certain joy of life. Help me mm-hmm. to recover those things because not only when you lose someone you love, you don't just lose that person. You lose these other parts of your life in certain ways that mm-hmm. were connected to that. And so maybe he can be a, a pathway to regaining some of that back yeah. or, or in a new and deeper way. Yeah. Cause he's also the patron for miracles too. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And he does I knew have, that about him. Yeah. He does have um, certain miracles of like, um, there's a miracle of, okay. So one was the fishes, but there was another miracle of like a mule did you ever hear that one i have heard a weird thing about a mule because i don't remember what it is (laughs) um there's something about and this was during where there was a a time where there was a lot of heresy but he was challenged by a heretic to prove the reality of the presence of christ in the eucharist Mm -hmm. and basically that man was like trying to mock saint anthony Mm -hmm. and so he brought out like this half starved mule and showed it like fresh food on one hand and the sacramental host on the other. And the mule was said to have ignored the f- food. And instead of eating either, he bowed before the sacrament. And so it was like St. Anthony was like, um, his, was kind of like this witness or testament to like the mm-hmm. power of the Eucharist. And yeah. so when uh, 
um, people were kind of mocking that. Mm -hmm. So um, he has certain miracles in that sense. Uh, I'm sure there's more that I um, have in mind. But yeah, he, and there's actually a, I want to say there's a, Miracle prayer to St. Anthony. Of there Padre. is. And like a novena too. There is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what I wanted to end with was um, his miracle prayer, because I feel like in the prayer itself, it really speaks to the heart of his spirituality. Mm-hmm. So would it be okay if I yeah. did that? Okay. So just kind of remembering that St. Anthony is so many things. Um, when we hear this prayer, if you're looking for a miracle for something in your life, St. Anthony is definitely someone to go to to ask for his intercession. And so this is the miracle prayer to St. Anthony of Padua. O holy St. Anthony, the gentlest and kindest of saints, your burning love of God, your exalted virtue, and your great charity towards your fellow creatures made you worthy, when on earth to possess miraculous powers such as were given to no other saint. Miracle waited on your word, and that word you were ever ready to speak at the request of those in trouble. The anxious prayer of bitter trial was never addressed to you in vain. To the sick you gave back health. You restored what was lost. The sorrow-stricken were the objects of your tender compassion. Even the dead you raised to life when the wounded heart cried out to you from the depths of its bitter anguish. When on earth nothing was impossible with you, except not to have compassion on those in distress and sorrow. Encouraged by this thought and convinced of the efficacy of your holy intercession, we kneel before your holy image and of full confidence, we implore you to obtain for us our intention. The answer to this, our prayer, may require a miracle. Even so, are you not the saint of miracles, who went on earth had but to speak the mightiest wonders were wrought. O gentle and loving St. Anthony, you whose heart was ever full of human sympathy, whispers our prayer into the ears of the infant Jesus, who loved to linger in your arms. One word from you and our prayer will be granted. O speak but that word and the gratitude of our heart will ever be yours. Amen. Amen. That's so beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? I just feel like that kind of encompassed his whole spirituality. And then you can conclude that with an Our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be. Um, But please consider going to St. Anthony for any intentions where you need a miracle, where you want to recover, even like recovering your health. Mm, Yeah. Um, So if you've lost good health. Yeah. um, I always um, ask his intercession when I see a silver alert. Have you? It's when um, there's a lost old person. Oh, okay. And usually, I don't know if you've noticed, like on, I don't know if other people have them, but like the big billboards that'll say like accident ahead. Yes, uh uh-huh. And you'll see the alerts there. Yeah. A silver, they usually have like, it's usually like an old person has gotten confused driving, which my grandmother did a lot Mm. in her kind of aging process. Yeah. Um, So I know what it's like when your grandma or grandpa took off in their car and is missing. Mm. So that is kind of like a, like a a way that I always ask is in her intercession. Yes. I just say like a quick Hail Mary and I ask him to like help find that person. Oh, I love that. So who knows how many people I've helped. Before. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who yeah. knows how many people St. Anthony has recovered from. Yeah. From the silver alerts. Yeah. So yeah. that's how, um, and also this is my, like, he was really like, I would say it was like a moment in my walk, like my baby faith. Cause yeah. I was like in high school uh-huh. and like really 
I wouldn't say like I really like had a turning point till I was a freshman in college, but like that introduction of like, okay, God, like there's something here with you. Yeah. In high school, um, started working at 15. So like my bank wouldn't give me, I didn't have a license yet. Okay. So I couldn't get like you a didn't have proper identification. Right. So I couldn't <laughs> get a bank account. So yeah. my mom would go cash my checks for me and just give me the cash Okay. for my first job. Yeah. And so, um, and I would just keep it in like the bank envelope in my little purse. Mm-hmm. Um, and one summer day I was going to go out with friends and I lost my whole purse and I couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, no. And it was like a lot of cash in there. I mean, yeah. It was your I would paycheck. say a lot, like I would say it was probably a lot for me now too, but yeah. there was like cash in there and I was like tearing up the whole house, like my car, like I was about to cry because I never lost that much money before. Right. And I was, I don't know where I even got the idea to ask St. Anthony. Maybe my mom told me, but uh, finally I had decided to ask him for help. And as soon as the words left my mouth, cause I said out loud, I tripped over my purse. What? Yes. And that was like, I was like on the ground. Because it was, like, back then, like, the boho bags were in, so, like, really long and slouchy. So, I was, like, I fell on the ground, so I tripped (laughs) on it. It was, like, under a pile of laundry. Oh, that's (laughs) Um, beautiful. And I remember being on the ground, like, I remember just, like, turning around and being, like, oh. (laughs) You're, like, I just this is real. (laughs) Like, yeah, it was very much, like, a spooky, almost, like, spooky, like, there's something to this faith thing. Yeah. It was, like, like, a small moment, but, yeah, it was, like, a, you just... Someone just heard my prayer. Yeah, it's undeniable. Yeah, that was like a very Beautiful. clear like. He's a great like gateway bridge saint. I bet that's not all. the first. Um, I remember a guy in college who had a pretty big conversion. Same thing where he With was Saint Anthony. He lost his wallet, and one of like the Catholic kids who'd been trying to pull him into <laughs> the fold said, "Like you should." You know, you should come out with us. And he said, I can't. I can't find my keys and wallet. Yeah. And they're like, oh, ask St. Anthony. And he found it. Like, Oh, my so God. I've heard that same yes, thing where like people chills. are like, oh. All right, He's, Catholics. Someone is. Start preaching about St. Anthony yeah, here. Always. <laughs> yes. I will always. I love it. Recommend. But Beautiful. Thank you. for Because I, like you said, exactly. I always, I'm the first person to be like, have you asked St. Anthony? <laughs> yes. But I didn't know most of that. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're and welcome. prayer was beautiful. Yeah. Okay. My saint. I have no idea. Is who. the most heard of saint ever. <laughs> okay. St. Nicholas. Oh, I love St. Nicholas. Right? Yes. Uh, I knew, like, probably what everyone knows, but I, mm-hmm. I learned a lot. Oh, good. And then, so, do you listen to the Office Ladies podcast? I don't. I, I love it. Oh, is it good? I love it so much. So, Jenna and Angela are so funny. Like, they'll, yeah. like, I don't know what's an example. Oh, like, Dwight says something where he's like, uh, Pam will pick the man who smells the most like her father. <laughs> Like a random. I saw that one Gen- recently. Yeah, uh-huh. and so like Jenna will be like, I thought that was weird, so I looked up what he was saying, and then they end up going on a tangent of like all There's the stuff they some found shred out. Of truth, yeah, yeah. Where she, so she read, ended up reading all these studies, and they call it their deep dives, mm. and they have deep dives on each episode, Cute. like I like that. Totally random, crazy stuff. Yeah, I think Andy said he wanted to be a food critic one time, and they did the history of food critics. Oh, neat. Yeah. Okay. So this is what that felt like a little bit. Yeah. I also look, wanted to know like when he morphed into Santa Claus. <laughs> right. So it feels a little bit like that. So well, and is, I will say that um, St. Nicholas is my son's patron saint. Oh, so really I cool. love that. Yeah. Which one? Evan. Oh, Evan. Yes. Okay. I love that. So this is like my ode to St. Nicholas, Yay. but also Angela and Jenna, who are like my friends now. Cause yeah, obviously. I listen to them all the time. For our listeners, mm-hmm. if parents are listening with kids, is now a good time to pause for the kids? I to, didn't think of that. So we might want to just give a spoiler alert that maybe kids should not hear this part. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Also, I should say we are dealing with like the mid 200s to like mid 300. We don't really know if it's yeah. true or not. Right. But Some of there it is, might be legend. Yeah. There is a, yeah. there is um, in my research where stories were like, we have a few accounts of this. So this is like probably one of the more true elements. Yeah. But we know he was a real man. Anyway, I'll get into it. Um, <laughs> so let me see. So he was born in a port on the Mediterranean Sea in Asia Minor and the Roman Empire to a wealthy Greek Christian family. Okay. So right away, I think I knew at one point he was a Greek Christian, but... I, I didn't know that. I knew he was wealthy, like he came from a wealthy yeah. family, but I didn't know that. Um, And then, uh, in some accounts, we're not sure, but it seems like his uncle was the bishop of the city, which was Myra. Uh-huh. I hope I'm saying that right. And he is supposedly the one who ordained him to be a priest, recognizing his holiness and his love for... Um, the church. And so after his parents died, it said that he distributed all their wealth to the poor. And this is kind of one story most people agree on. So it said that there was a devout Christian man in the city who had fallen on hard times and lost most of his money. And he had three daughters. And, you know, back then, obviously not a lot of opportunities for women. So with the man not being able to afford dowries for the daughters, they really didn't have a lot of options. And back then, a destitute woman really only could be a slave or a prostitute. You know, th- mm. those were their options. So St. Nicholas kind of heard about this. And um, he also knew the man would be too proud to accept just really blatant help. So he decided to uh, go to their house at night for three nights. And he would throw little coins of money through the window Aww. so that uh, the father could afford a dowry for them. And so, so once sweet. he um, received that money, he did quickly marry them off, hopefully to good <laughs> situations. Yeah. But So they were saved from that, that what would have been that situation for them, that bad one. So when the first two daughters were married off quickly, the father stayed up at night wanting to see where the gold was coming from. So eventually mm-hmm. he did catch St. Nicholas and he is said to have like fallen on his knees in front of him. But St. Nicholas mm-hmm. said, don't tell anyone, oh, just I love that. accept it and yeah. don't worry about it. So we can kind of see like the secret gift giving. Yes. It's like the seed is planted early. At night. Yeah. yeah. So also I didn't, I mean, I've never been to Europe, but apparently these stories of St. Nicholas are like really popular in European art, like stained glass windows and frescoes and things like that. So apparently that's one like that is really easily recognizable across Europe where him secretly throwing money through a window. So, which was cool because I mean, over here, we don't have a lot of old Christian art like that. So it's interesting that when we think of St. Nicholas, or at least to me, like that was interesting because when we think of St. Nicholas, it's always with Christmas, but over there, there's just like He's like one of the saints. Yeah. yeah. So in another story, he visited the Holy Land and the ship was almost destroyed by a storm at sea, but he rebuked the waves and caused the storm to subside. Oh, cool. So he's also the patron saint of sailors and travelers. Oh, neat. I didn't know that. Me either. Uh, So it said that after visiting the Holy Land, he returned to Myra and the Bishop of Myra, who had replaced his uncle once his uncle had died, had also died. (laughs) So this was kind of weird to me, but they basically said that the first priest to enter the church that morning would be made bishop, and Nicholas, without knowing that, went to the church to pray and was therefore made bishop, which seems like not a great way to pick a bishop, but in this case, it was a good choice. Yeah. Um, There's also some talk that he was uh, tortured for being a Christian under the um, persecution of the Emperor Diocletian, Okay. but that's debated. Yeah. I think um, I saw one... I saw one historian say that that is more uh, likely, um, like, out of, like, reverence for him, that he even, like, 
withstood that great trial, but it's yeah. probably not likely. Right. But I just want to throw that in there because there are some people that do Attribute fit him them. in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is also one that is pretty much uh, corroborated across sources, but apparently there were three innocent men who were uh, content- condemned to death uh, and by beheading. And apparently, like, St. Nicholas appeared and rushed um, the executioner mm-hmm. to stop him. And he had somehow found out that one of the jurors had accepted a bribe oh. to declare them guilty. So yeah. that's pretty well accepted that he did save. Of course, since it's, like, the 200s, 300s, and St. Nicholas has all these legends around him, yeah. I read that there's, like, all these different accounts where one is, like, he's heard in a dream And then ran to the um, executioner and stopped him. And there's one where there was like, like a rebellion that was squashed (laughs) and like a ghost and a dream, like crazy. Like it sounded like a Netflix drama. (laughs) Um, So I thought that was funny that it was like, this is probably what happened. This is an option. And then there's this this big folktale. Oral history. Yeah. Um, So I thought that was very fitting. So this is what I knew about him. And I was disappointed to read that there is some debate on this from scholars too. But I was taught this in college. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be on the camp where I think it happened. Yeah. So the first council of Nicaea, Mm -hmm. which is where the Nicene Creed was made. It was um, in kind of response to Arianism, which was an early heresy that taught that uh, basically, it was an early heresy against the Trini- Trinitarian God. Okay. So it was the idea that uh, first there was God, mm-hmm. and then God begot Jesus. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was not co-eternal with God. So basically okay. saying, like, God's number one, then Jesus number two, which right, that's not right. what we believe. We believe, right. like, three one and, God, three right. and one. Right. So there was kind of debate there. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons these councils where we got the Apostles' Creed, the Nicaea Creed, were yeah. called, it was in response to heresy so arianism was a big one and uh at this council we're thinking saint nick was there there's some debate and there's two lists so that's why (laughs) there's some debate because there's a list of names of bishops who were there wait his name was on there also there's whole like having your name on a list yes (laughs) well his name was on the list where his name was on one list so we're gonna go by that list anyway there's a story that in the debate of the council where they're trying to figure out like, what do we believe as Christians based on what we know about Jesus that's been passed down. And there are some people there who are pro Arianism and saying like, no, this is right. And some people who are pro Trinitarianism. So it's said that at one point St. Nicholas became so upset at this heresy and the debate got so heated that he got up and slapped an Arian. Whoa. In the face. I have heard that he like slapped hair. Yeah, that he slapped hair only by my memes. That yeah. I see. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and again, <laughs> some of the debate here is that some people say like Arius, like the Arius who started Arianism. Okay. Yeah, because I think he was an early presbyter, like an early deacon or okay. priest. So that's how he got a following, because he was preaching that nice. his Arianist. He was preaching this thing he made up, basically. Okay, his heresy. Okay, so, the guy he slapped. So, yeah, he okay, was, yeah. so that's how he got the following is because he oh, was a gotcha. priest teaching people this. Oh, and other okay. priests were like, you can't say that. Right, that's yeah. how the debate started. Right. Um, so some people just say it was some supporter of his. Yeah. But some people were like, no, St. Nick slapped <laughs> the Arius who started the whole thing. Um, 
And then there's a story where Constantine, uh, the emperor, revoked his priestly credentials because he said you priests can't slap each other, so you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, and then there's some accounts where it's like a punch in the face. Yeah. Some are like, no, like it was an ball. open hand, which I think <laughs> is matters. so, yeah, where people I mean, are like, no, he like punched him. Some people are like, no, it was an open hand. It's like more gentle. I don't know. <laughs> But Constantine supposedly did not like that, revoked his priestly credentials and his bishop status and threw him in jail, which I'm like, at that point, I'm like, over punch. So this is where it becomes a little bit legendary because apparently then Mary- That slap sounds legendary. (laughs) Right? I am pro. That's what, when we studied Arianism in college that we were told that story. So I'm pro- the slapper punch. Uh, dark humor. I just find it funny. Like the most generous, like, say. Jolly. <laughs> yeah. Like Santa punch. Still has a dark side. Like, that's yeah. Like, do not talk about the Trinity. Exactly. Well, yeah. so it said that Mary and Jesus appeared to him and said, why are you here? And he said, for love of you. Oh. And then they gave him back his vestments. Oh, my goodness. Which how can Constantine argue with that? No. Because he's like, Mary and Jesus gave these back to me. So yeah. you can't take them away. Right. And then he'd be like, you're right. Yeah. Okay. This is a weird one that I found, um, but I want your take on it. Okay, let's hear it. So, um, veneration of Saint Anthony or Saint Nick was pretty big in medieval Europe. Okay, and so there's one story that we can probably say is not true because it's later and like connected with the medieval veneration of him uh-huh. and less cooperated with the very old sources. But apparently, there was a big famine. And a malicious butcher uh, lured some poor children to his house where he killed them and uh, cut them up and pickled their remains. What? And was going to sell them and pass them off as like meat. This is not what I was expecting. Apparently, St. Nicholas found this out and resurrected the children by making the sign of cross over them. Like unpickled them. Yes, and they came back and they were reassembled and unpickled. <laughs> and apparently, so this is was so widely told in Europe that that is how Saint Nicholas is depicted in stained glass, usually with three children or like standing over a barrel. What? Yes, because <laughs> that is the story people associate with him, that he brought these kids back to life. So my question to you is, what do we think about that one? I can't get past the deep pickling part. Like, I, I don't right? know why that's the most. For me, it's the reassembly. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus did say, you will do these things and greater. Right. I mean. So that would be, I don't know. Well, a part of me is just like, historically, if we're going off source material, this is a very late story from like this very certain time period, uh-huh. certain region. And there's not other source material to back it up. Okay. So that's why I would think there's no. Some question. But that is when you I see think, him depicted yeah. apparently in very old cathedrals. You'll see that. With three children. And they're usually like just have like a little cloth over them because they were and uh, next to a barrel because that they were pickled in it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's like Dahmer vibes with all that. Yes. Okay. Um, I think my take is not whether or not it happened. But how much are you doubting it? And then what does that say about how, how much limitation are you putting on the power of God? Mm. That's mm-hmm. where I'm going to go with it. Because okay. I have so a, you're open to it. Well, no, I'm, look, I'm basically doing a self-reflection okay. and being like, wow, I'm really doubting this. But why am I doubting like any capability that the Lord could do 
through like the grace of prayer? Like, why is it like, oh, okay, well, if they weren't cut up, then it'd be more believable. Like, why? That's true. Because people coming back to life, I we're, mean, like it's weird that we're drawing the line between like you like, can come yeah, back from right life, we, like if we draw the line, but we're not if death. you've been pickled. That's when the grace stops. <laughs> if there's fermentation, it's like, yeah. Okay, yeah. I see your point. So yeah, from yeah. like I said, a historical like source material wise, less right. inclined. But when I was you know doing my own self reflection, I was like, Jesus yeah. said these things and greater and greater, great, you know. So that would be greater. Feels like it, <clears throat> but. That story is where we get kind of the care for children. Oh, that's like very much at the root of who St. Nicholas is and would be. And I would say that like a lot of these saint stories and some of the legends, I mean, we have to kind of take it with a grain of salt in terms of its historical accuracy. But the point is whether that story or not inspires your faith and it's Mm -hmm. like it grows your faith or inspires you to be drawn closer to God. And so, um, if you get caught up in the heady part of like, well, did it actually occur? Then you're kind of missing the point, I feel like. Especially at a time when children were very disposable. Mm, yes. Yeah. I think that we can, I like that. I like that take. That it was inspired care of children at a time when that was not that was needed. the default. Yeah. So, like I said, he died in the mid-300s. And veneration of him started very quickly, too. So, less than 200 years after he died, there was a church built in Myra, um, where he had served as bishop. Um, and his remains were in a sarcoph- sarcophagus in that church. But they, kind of depending on how the area was conquered, they moved around a little bit. Yeah. I've, I saw that um, what remained from the various, like, movings were taken to Venice. So I've never okay. been there. I don't know if you can still find St. Nick relics in Venice, oh, but that's what I found. So okay. that will be something to check out when I yeah. go eventually. <laughs> Um, and then one thing that I thought was cool, just like a fun fact, is that in the Greek Orthodox Church, he's like venerated as like on the same levels like the apostles. Yeah. So like very like up there as far as like a father of faith, um, which again, I didn't think about that. And he's like um, almost he's in like the mass parts for the Greek. Yeah. The Greek right, tradition right. and how we name certain. You're mass- right. He is high up there in yeah. the Greek. In the and church. he's also I thought this was interesting. He's also kind of like. um almost like Poseidon a little bit to them. Like mm. since uh, the Mediterranean is a lot of ports, like he's venerated more there for, for the sailors. For the sailors. Yeah. So this is when I was like, okay, how did this morph, morph to Santa Claus? Right. It was very interesting. So like I said, the middle ages was when the, because of that story, <laughs> the, <laughs> the tradition of honoring children on his feast day on December 6th started. Yeah. So that's when that started. And, um, Okay, so during the Protestant Reformation, obviously, the veneration of saints was discouraged altogether. Okay. So that prevented an issue. Martin Luther advocated for celebrating the Christ child or Chris Kindle. Mm. I mean, I'm probably not saying that right, but you can see how it becomes Chris Kringle, like phonetically. Yes. Chris Kindle, basically. Yeah. Um, Which means Christ child. And um, he was moved it towards Christmas Eve. Okay. It's like we can ce- still celebrate Christ's birth. Yeah. And, you know, we can celebrate the same same flavor, but it's going to be closer to Jesus. Yeah. Make, make it more Jesus-centered, which I'm not against. Um, but then, so in England, when the split happened there between the Greek or the, the Catholic and what would become the Anglican church, mm-hmm. there was also a, what do we do about... St. Nicholas Day. What do we do there? Yeah. So that's where they started to celebrate Father Christmas, 
Okay. And that was also on Christmas Eve. Right. And he was depicted as like um, a big guy wearing green and furs. Kind of like uh, they said almost uh, he was kind of created after King Henry VIII a little bit. Like really big covered in furs type guy. But he still cared for children. That was his thing too. That was his. Um, And again, that was when the celebration turned to Christmas Eve. So in Dutch countries, they, even in places that were more Protestant practicing, they still kept um, Sinterklaas. I love that. And that was, so Klaus is kind of like the nickname, the way we say Saint Nick. Uh Klaus is like the nickname for how they say Nicholas. Oh, cute. You know what I mean? So that's their version of St. Nick. Yeah. So they still celebrated Sinterklaas, even though the kind of traditions and practices around it changed, they still did that. That's cute. Um, And he is depicted as a bishop with the bishop's hat and a white beard and usually riding a donkey. Okay. So he's still a bishop. Yeah. Um, So in the 1700s, in America, with the colonists coming over, Dutch and British Mm -hmm. is when... They morph together, I found out. Yeah. So in the 1700s is when we start seeing Sinterklaas become Santa Claus. Mm. That's when they kind of English, Anglicanized the name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then, so then it was an, again longer in the 1800s is when there were several written descriptions of Santa Claus. Okay. And that was when um, The Night Before Christmas was published and like poems yeah. about Santa Claus. Right. All the traditions. Right. right but in. then I thought this was so interesting. Um, Frank L. Baum, who wrote The Wizard of Oz, yeah. he's the one who really solidified a lot of the Santa Claus lore because he wrote a story called The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus in 1902. What? Yeah. So Santa being like immortal, like just things like where he's able to like do these incredible feats. Yeah. What about the reindeer? Was that part of his? I think that comes from the Dutch side. Okay. Okay. Um, but in, I don't know. There's a whole, you know, the Wizard of Oz is part of a series. So yeah. Ozma is one of them. Okay, I'm not familiar. I don't with know. That. I've heard of it, but Ozma is part of the series. And so Santa Claus is in some of the Wizard of Oz series is what I'm oh, trying to say. Neat. So yeah, he was actually the one who Isn't that crazy how authors can like influence the rest totally, of forever? Yeah, of culture. <laughs> yeah, and then I knew this, but 1930s Coca-Cola started using the image of Santa, mm-hmm. and I yeah. knew that were like the red hat, yeah, and like the fur trimmed and like the jolly belly. That yeah. was where we kind of got that from. From Coke? From Coca-Cola. Wow. That was where that was like solidified. The classic image yeah. now that you see, yeah. Yeah, and then I wanted to say so still apparently in some Dutch like communities, like there's still like Santa Claus yeah. And St. Nick. Nick. And okay. he's like a bishop. A bishop for yeah. St. Nick. Yeah. And then in some Dutch communities, they still do um, like only like it's like two Christmases. So yeah. like the six is like a little Christmas, but only for children. That's and then sweet. everyone gets gifts on yeah. Christmas Day. But that's what kind of what we do for our families. We leave the shoes out. And oh, yeah. Little, little treats. Yeah. Last year, Ben was too little. So we didn't do a lot with that. Oh, but I was cute. My... What I heard and I'm looking forward to is putting the stockings up on uh-huh. the six. Okay, yeah. And then reading the night before Christmas and then doing oh, the little treats in the shoes. So we're going to do that cute. this year. So oh, I'm I excited love that. For that. That will be fun. Yeah. So that's what I found about I think Saint that's Nick. fascinating that his reputation as a saint played throughout. And then what we know as Santa Claus now is really the concoction of like a corporation and uh, and a literary author. Yes, isn't so, that like, crazy? So like fiction and entertainment and business really like, I mean, 
Yeah. So I was going to say, what is your take on Santa Claus? Because I'm going to say my take, my hot take. Okay. I am influenced by my older sister Uh and their kids, you know, go to Disneyland and go to Grizzlies games and see the mascots. Okay. Uh Or like the characters. Yeah. And so they tell them that Santa Claus is like Mickey at Disneyland or like Grizz the Bear. Like he's someone you take pictures with and he's a fun mascot for Christmas, but okay. he doesn't bring you your presents and he's not who, who or what we celebrate at Christmas. Okay. He's like part of the story and the fun of Christmas. The culture of Christmas. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. he's like that's okay, Mickey take. at Disney yeah. World or Grizz the Bear because they take pictures with him too. I don't think that's so. a hot take. I mean, I think some people are like, we just say Santa Claus does not exist and it's kind of a hard and fast and, mm-hmm. um, that seems more controversial, I think, for some families. Like, you know, you're either on one side of that or the other. Um, but this kind of seems like a happy medium between both. Yeah, um, I think that's the way I'm leaning mm-hmm. towards wanting to do with my family. But what do you guys do? So we are officially past the Santa Claus okay. piece that because of just they've outgrown it. But yes. in the past, we have done the Santa Claus part and just the magic and wonder of, like, there's just, okay, this, I mean, this may be a hot Catholic take, I don't know, but like children are little for just such a small period okay. of time mm-hmm. and their wonderment and the idea that they would believe that like someone is flying across the world on reindeer to like bring them a present. Now they don't get all their presents from Santa. They they would get one present from mm-hmm. Santa and the rest would okay. be from us. I like that, yeah. Um, and just like the excitement and joy of that and mm, okay. and seeing see their too. wonderment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, at, as they grow, they knew that like they started to get an inkling that it was us, mm-hmm. you know, and then just kind of the um, appreciation that we were like doing that okay. with them. I like that too. Um, so that, you know, that's an option. I mean, some people see it as like, oh, you're lying to your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when you take in that idea of wonder mm-hmm. and celebration mm-hmm. now, we're also very pro Jesus is the center of Christmas. Yeah. So um, Santa Claus is kind of a bit piece in that in terms mm-hmm. of like, we're not talking about Santa Claus the whole time. And I don't do elf on the shelf. Yeah. I'm not that. doing it. Yeah. yeah like just for sheer laziness. Yeah. Part. But also I just, that then it becomes um, a lot harder to, mm-hmm. for our family to focus on that um, piece. But so it's not like he's like the super big player in it, mm-hmm. but it adds to the wonderment of it. And that window is so small that just, I don't know, selfishly as a parent, I'm like, just to experience that wonder again of seeing a mm, child. Okay, that I could that see that. It is so beautiful. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the rest of their Christmases for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. like, will be rooted in reality. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. And then we just kind of talk about it as being like, a, a way to spread generosity okay. without like recognition. Yeah. And so to say that it was somebody else, you know, yeah. but, um, it, it's like we can still, they can still be a kid. Like we can still have the Santa Claus stuff out and it's like, they know it's not real, but it's okay. like, um, it still just kind of like brings them back to mm. their childhood, like their younger years. Yeah. So. Okay. I like that take too. Cause Ben is so little, so it's not relevant now, right, but right. I do, I have been thinking about it a lot just in like also my own, my own spirituality too of like really wanting to make Christmas about the right thing. So yes. I always thought about what I would do when I have kids and now I do. So. And I, I might, this might be controversial too, but I think sometimes we get so caught up on 
what is truth and really driving home truth that we lose our sense of awe and wonder. Mm. And I think that's such a basis for faith. Yeah. Because so much of faith is what we can't prove and what we can't see. And you need that sense of wonder in adults are desperately starved of that sense of wonder. And so that's true. um, So just, you know, C.S. Lewis has this whole bit and like when asked why he included Santa Claus in the Narnia books, Uh it's basically that really. Yeah. Like basically that take, he says it more eloquently. That we need wonder in our lives. We need that all through our Mm -hmm. life. And so that kind of creates a basis for it in kind of a fun way. Yeah. I forgot about this, but can I just tell you my Santa story? What I believed about it, believed in Santa until I was like, 13. For sure. Okay. Let's hear it. So I had a cat that I loved when I was growing up mm-hmm. and um, our cats are always indoor outdoor. Okay. So they didn't live super long because it's dangerous for a cat. Yeah. So my cat that I loved, Luna, she, Aww. we put her out one night. She didn't come back. So oh, we don't know sorry. what happened. If she yeah. probably car accident or something. We always hope someone took her in because she was so like, hard. Oh, I was probably like eight. Okay. So she didn't come back. And so my mom always would take me and my brother to get the Santa Claus pictures. Yeah. And she would always say, like, you can ask for a toy, but you have to ask for something that's not selfish. I don't know why she like, <laughs> wanted people to be like, oh, your kids are like so, I don't know. But she always said that. I don't know why. <laughs> What's an unselfish gift? Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. In mm-hmm. my head, it was that Luna would come home. Oh. So by this point, I was eight. I was like, I didn't believe in Santa at that yeah. point. But it was more for my brother and for us to get, like, the pictures together. Yeah. There's just a photo op. Right. So I went and I told Santa, um, I want my cat to come home. And Santa said, "Mm, can I ask when you got her? Mm -hmm. And just so happened that my other cat, Fleabag, got hit by a car. Oh. (laughs) That was terrible. I'm not going to explain how we found him, but the most heartbreaking. So that my mom took me that day that we found Fleabag took me to the shelter and we got Luna like within hours because it was heartbreaking for everyone. So I said, well, we got her when my other cat died. And then this mall Santa, God bless him, wherever (laughs) he is, he was like, "Mm, she was one of mine then. And I was like, what? He was like, I have um, helpers, animal helpers, Uh who I send out into the world to be with people who are sad and need a friend. But once you're not sad anymore, they have to move on so that they can help someone else. Oh, my God. Right? So he said. <laughs> Who is the Santa? I don't know. He said, so I'm so He's sorry. He's like a classically trained right? Santa. Classically yeah. from Juilliard. He was like. <laughs> so then he was like, I'm so sorry. Luna can't come back. But I know. She, like, and she was like, I know he loves. She loves you so much. And like the rest of the day, I cried. Oh, my God. The rest of the day, I was crying. You're like, I'm sad again. <laughs> I'm sad. Yeah. And so that was why, like, I would always say, like. If you asked me if I believed in Santa, I said yes, because for me, it was just believing that Luna was safe and helping someone. And now because I know. Because that guy said the words your heart needed Santa. to hear. Can you imagine? Can you? Say Nick. I feel like Saint Nick just walked straight through. Him. I cried. And I still think about it all the time at Christmas. And I think about Luna. And I know now that she probably, like, sadly, like, got hit by a car or something. Aww. Or maybe, best case scenario, stolen. Because she was a really pretty white fluffy yeah. cat. But that is why, like, I was pro Santa until I was way too old because I just Aww, needed to hope that she was okay. That's a beautiful story, though. Isn't that beautiful? What he said to you. Can you believe that Santa? He was so so good. I yes. wonder where he's at. Like, I still remember that. Oh, 
I was eight. And it just shows like the power of words of what you say to a child. Yes. And how that can just resonate for so long after. Yeah. And I think that's why I've always wrestled with like, will I tell my kids about Santa? Because I totally see, like you said, like the joy and the peace around this character. But then I'm always like, oh, but I want them to like, I want it to be Christ centered. But it doesn't have to be either. It doesn't. Yeah. You're right. It should always be Christ centered. But, you know. It's a personal preference. Yeah. I mean, Ben is only 18 months, so he wouldn't know if yeah. there was, if we tell him there's a Santa or not. So we have plenty yeah. of time so you have to figure it out. Discern. But I will say I'm not pro make a list of what you want. Oh, okay. We did that, mm-hmm. but I find that that is not in the spirit of gift giving. Okay. Like let Santa give you what Santa wants to give you mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of demanding it mm-hmm. that when they've gotten older, that's kind of. I steered them towards because then, then that did start to distort what Christmas was Mm -hmm. when you get all the catalogs and you're like, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And you get into the wanting Mm -hmm. versus the receiving. Mm. So, okay. This is good food for thought because I'm clearly already really contemplating this. (laughs) I know because there's a lot to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. We'll see. Maybe, I mean, I feel like by next Christmas, yeah, next Christmas I'll have to have an answer, right? Because Ben will be like. I Almost like that three. you think that you have, you'll, you're going to have an answer, an answer for, you'll have to have an answer and that you'll get an answer in parenting because like, <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm just, <laughs> cause you'll, you'll think you have it. And then like next year you're like, I don't have it again. <laughs> okay. You're right. I just need to, it's always morphing into something new. Okay. Adapting. So. All I'm, right. Thank I'm you. I'm curious to see how it turns out. Though. Me too. I feel like Me you'll too. find your way for sure. Thank you. <laughs> Should we do a blessing and burden? Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, because I was thinking about it. Okay, yeah. So I think mine is going to be like both, blessing and burden. Okay. So the burden side is that I have to do a lot of crafting this week. Ooh, fun. For trunk or treat. Okay. So I'm excited for trunk or treat because last year I wore Ben. He was a baby. He had no idea what was going on. Yes. Um, But so this year, like he, and I'm excited because he loves putting things in containers. So like I know he's going to love putting stuff in his little basket I mean, we already gave it to him and he already puts his toys and stuff practicing. in there yes so i'm excited for that we're so gonna be cute. the daniel tiger family oh i cannot wait for this because it's really easy you just wear normal clothes and tiger ears so perfect yeah so for that i think there's some crafting with our costumes not a yeah. lot it's mostly just are you crafty so that's why it's also a burden because i want to be crafty mm-hmm. and maybe i am but the perfectionism mm. Um, and the no patience ruins it for me. Okay. Trips you up a little yes, bit. Yes. Cause okay. if it takes too long or I don't get it right, right away. And I have to go back to the drawing board. Like I get, it's, uh, it's like a real stressor. Do you lose your patience? Yes. St. Anthony could help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. He's so already got work to do. That's my blessing and burden where I'm excited okay. and yes. I can't wait for trunk or treat and just Halloween. Um, and we'll probably do a few like Halloweeny events. Yeah. Um, but just like the crafting element where he's got to put little like tiger stripes on his his khakis <laughs> like oh, stuff cute. like that i love so, that i couldn't find good ears in the store for a good price i'm like trying to make our ears just like little things like yeah, that just little stuff yeah. okay, so, so not so like a big burden to- but just yeah i do feel a little bit of like like tomorrow, the pressure yeah i like, find some green hairspray i need to do that oh what are you gonna be okay so i'm gonna save that for my okay. blessing okay go ahead your turn okay my burden, sorry to get heavy all of a sudden when you were doing um, a light one, no, but no. Um, my burden is related to loss and with um, St. Anthony, because I was going to tie it in, 
but back in May, our we miscarried our baby, and so that um, is my burden of just mm-hmm. not having our little baby with us. Her our due date would have been right around Christmas. Oh, yeah, and that's so, hard. Yes, and October is like infant and um, miscarriage loss, awareness like month, awareness yeah. month. Um, so some of those feelings of grief are coming back up, and so really just thinking about leaning on St. Anthony for mm-hmm. that piece of it yeah. and um, just knowing that, you know, our baby's in heaven and we'll be reunited hopefully yeah. um, one day. And so just that of just like what, how grief kind of like ebbs and flows and, mm-hmm. and sometimes comes unexpectedly. Yeah. And so I thought I would feel it around Christmas, but then when this like we went to a miscarriage mass and that, that piece of it, it just kind of like hit me again. And I was like, Oh, I wasn't expecting this, you know? And so that's just kind of how grief works. But, um, so yeah, so that is my burden. My blessing is trunk also for like Halloween trunk or treat. Our family has gone with a family theme, which I'm super excited about because for many years, everyone's done. Well, the kids have gone and done their own costumes. We used to do themes like, um, for our whole family, Mm -hmm. but as the kids got older, they wanted to do their own but we decided on a theme and it's Batman. Yay! I'm super excited. So Noah is the Joker and we're doing like Dark Knight Batman. That's oh, like the intense yeah. one, you know what I mean? So it's um, <laughs> Noah's going to be like the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, Evan is Two-Face. So our kids are the villains. Oh my gosh. And me and Royce are the heroes. So obviously um, Royce is Robin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but sadly, he's not like um, the Dark Knight Robin. He's like the classic. Yeah, like classic Robin. <laughs> 60s Robin yeah. and he's got an R on there so it looks like Royce um, and I'm Batman so, I love that yeah, you're so Batman I'm Batman so I have to practice my like deep how did you get to be Batman? Batman how did these roles get assigned <laughs> well Noah really started because he really wanted to be the Joker okay and so um Evan was debating on who he was going to be Bane or Two-Face and Two-Face is a really cool costume so yeah. it's like split like half of it's like a black suit and half of it's a white suit so he just it's gonna be fun for him oh I cannot wait to see those pictures I know and it sounds like oh well if they're that you know like they're gonna be the villains and we need to be the good guys and so um I was originally gonna do the Robin outfit I thought that was gonna be funny to just like yeah be Robin and I also just none of the women's Halloween costumes are ever appropriate I mean no I I mistakenly googled like woman's like or Catwoman Halloween uh, costume and I was like oh my I've gone into some bad territory so I was like I can't do this I'm not even looking at women's costumes so I was like I'm just gonna do something goofy that's always yeah. been my mo and so I was like I'll be Robin but the Robin costume was like a little too tall so like his like big puffy chest was like on my <laughs> neck and I was like Royce I can't like do this and so it fit Royce better and then I was like well I guess I'll just be Batman I love that <laughs> so yeah so, I'm so I have to practice pictures. my very like yeah dark night voice so. i can't wait i'm excited yeah i'm so excited <laughs> so much to be excited about yes. for Halloween. so consider our tip of the iceberg saints consider them for more than what we kind of yeah. know them as in popular culture or just in our catholic culture and use them to evangelize to others about their different unique gifts amen and we'll just close with saint saint nick and saint anthony pray for, pray us. for us bye bye thanks for listening to this episode of snacking with the saints Snacking with the Saints is a member of the Spoke Street Catholic Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. You can also subscribe to be alerted of when we drop our newest episodes. You can find us on Instagram at snacking.saints.pod. Come on over, tell us your blessing and burden for the week. Maybe we'll share it on air. 
And please remember to keep us in your prayers. We're definitely praying for all of you.